carbs, yep, that's the one, the diet, that's the one. That's like top of the charts, the diet one, eating different, eating healthy. Uh, some of us will say it in this way, we want to lose weight or maintain weight, but it has to do with, with health mostly. And uh, I know for many of us, that's probably one of the top. There's also people who say, you know, they want to uh, save more money or spend more time with family. Uh, there's also the ever so popular get a better job uh, and, and then also looking forward to uh, who we're becoming. And so whatever your New Year's resolution looks like, if you have you know, 10 or 5 or even 50, whatever that may be, it will always come back down not just to the resolutions that we make, but the life that we live in making those resolutions. In other words, it's more than just a New Year's resolution. It's a new life resolution. We're going to kick off a series starting today talking about setting new foundations. Because it's a new year, we all make the, these kinds of commitments. We make commitments to God. We make commitments to our families. We make commitments to ourselves in being better people. And so that's what this series is all about. It's before we can even do that, we got to set some solid foundations first. Otherwise, they won't last. I mean, many of us made the same resolutions we did last year, only to come up short as the year went by. And so we want to encourage each other, how can we make a new life resolution so that no matter what happens, we'll still be on target. There's many uh, decisions that we'll make as the year goes on. Some will be good and some will not be good. But regardless of what decisions we make, if we have this solid foundation, then we'll be able to stand firm even though it gets difficult. For some of us, we understand what it means to be born again. You know, when you come to know the Lord, it's like a brand new day. You've been born again. It's kind of like you've been, we've been born wrong. And so we live a wrong kind of life, away from God, a worldly kind of life. And then when we meet Jesus Christ, we understand that He's forgiven us. That He's paid the price for us so that we could have this new life in being born again. And so now that we have this understanding... Now we can live a new life because He's given us a new life in being born again. In fact, one of the scriptures that we are going to be looking at in this series is Ephesians 2.20. And if you have your notes, your bulletin, you can take out, take out the notes and it's in there. Also, please look through your bulletin because there's a ton of things happening. And there's a lot of uh, things that are available for all of us as we go on with this new year. But... Ephesians 2.20, it says that we are His house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is who? Jesus Christ Himself. See, we can never forget that. If we can always remember that Jesus Christ is that cornerstone, He's the one that makes this house, this life, stand firm. And if we can remember that, then no matter what takes place in the decisions that we make, we can always rest assured that Christ would be there with us, holding us up, keeping us strong as the year goes by, as our life goes by. It's a new life resolution. I say let's make a new life resolution this way when it becomes a difficult lifestyle or when it becomes difficult in the seasons we go through. This new life resolution is more of a lifestyle than a short-term commitment that we try to hold up. See, once we make a life change, 
it becomes our lifestyle, then it's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do with the Lord Jesus Christ as our foundation. So here's some things that we're going to look at. One is to set some spiritual disciplines. If you are taking notes, you can write that in. To set some spiritual disciplines. We all have disciplines. We all, we all have something that we're disciplined in. Uh, some people are early people. When they have an appointment, uh, church, uh, when they're meeting somebody, you're like a half hour early. How many of you are early people? You are there before anybody else. Early people. How many of you guys like uh, make it just right on time? You just make it there. How many of you guys come after and it's like, no big deal. Nobody's mad. Yeah. How, the later people. Come on. Not too much because this is first service. But we all have different kinds of disciplines. Everyone has disciplines. But when it comes to spiritual disciplines, where do we fare on that level? Are we, are we at a, like a 9 or a 10 when it comes to spiritual disciplines? Or are we at like a 5, 4, or a 3 when it comes to spiritual disciplines? See, if we set spiritual disciplines, then it becomes a lifestyle change not just something to do, not a task, not, a, not a, uh, something because other people are doing it, uh, not because you think, okay, if I do this spiritual discipline, then my life will, uh, all my problems will be solved. It's not about that. It's about a lifestyle change. It's a new life resolution. Because how many of us, when we came to know Jesus, our problems were not all solved. It's kind of like we're being saved. We're, we're being transformed. We're becoming better and better people. It doesn't just get solved like that. It's a lifestyle change. As, and Jesus is the foundation of this house, this life that he's building. He's the foundation of this church or the church, the body of Christ. He's the foundation. Hebrews 10.25, it says it in this way. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, when he says not to give up meeting together, basically what he's saying is don't, do not forsake or leave to oneself a person or a thing by ceasing to care for it. Or to abandon. In other words, when he's saying don't give up the habit of meeting together, he's talking about being the church. The body of Christ. That we attend church together or we meet together so that we can hear the word of God together. We can worship together, build each other up, encourage one another. We can attend church but still feel all alone because we're not meeting together. We attend church but we don't meet together. That's why it's good to get involved somewhere because you meet other people. You build a relationship with other people. You, you find family and friends and you meet together. And the Bible is saying there's people that don't do that. Don't give up the habit of meeting together as some, as some have uh, been doing. They've, they've not been meeting together. And so this spiritual discipline is part of this growth that God's going to do inside of our lives. See, church has more to do with caring for one another than it does an attendance record. It really does. I remember making a, a, a New Year's resolution some time ago and I said, I'm going to attend church every single Sunday. I'm not going to miss one Sunday. Every single Sunday I'm going to come. I missed a lot of Sundays when I made that. I remember making that resolution. I miss a lot of Sundays. But 
instead of me saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to miss any Sundays, I told myself, you know what, I'm going to get involved. I'd rather be involved because when I'm involved, I don't have to make a commitment for attendance. I'm a part of what God is doing in the church because I'm involved. That's far more important being connected to the body of Christ than it is to check off my attendance because I'm, I'm meeting together. You know, we grow in our spirit when we gather together and then we open up the word of God. As I was praying for this coming year, uh, last year, I said, Lord, what, what direction do you want to take the church? Where, where are we as the body of Christ here in Hilo? Where do you want us to go? And, and this is what he said, I want to grow the church. I said, okay, we're dealing with parking. You know, I'm, I'm debating with God. I said, we've been dealing with parking and, and some other things. And, and he said, no, no. I want to grow the church spiritually. That I'm going, to, I'm going to set some spiritual things in people that they would grow and mature in Him. And I, then I begin to understand that, wait a minute, it's, it's really about the relationship than it is the growth of numbers of a church. It's the, it's the growth of a person's soul with the Lord. Their spiritual disciplines our hearts to be better for the Lord, our hearts to change and transform so that we can look more and more like Jesus. And that's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to grow us. He wants us to become matured followers, devoted followers of Christ. And so these spiritual disciplines that we set in will help us to grow. Because we tend to grow, in many cases, not in our spirit, but with our flesh. We grow a lot with our flesh. We feed our anger. We feed, we feed our unforgiveness. We feed our, uh, our doubts. We feed uh, our gossip. We feed our, uh, when we don't like somebody, we feed that side of it. We feed fear. We feed all of that. But when it comes to our spirit, it's like it's starving. That's why all the things that we're kicking off, all the new things that we're kicking off, it's so that I can set some spiritual disciplines. It's so that I can grow in my spirit. I, uh, this weekend, we have a lot of kickoffs happening, uh, not just for our Wednesday night service, which is we're going to be uh, just ushering in the presence of the Lord for this new year and praying. We're going to be praying as a church uh, this coming Wednesday, so you want to attend that. And we're going to be praying and worshiping the Lord together for this new year that He's bringing towards us. We also have our men's ministry kickoff on Saturday morning. And our men's ministry is gearing up for this new, uh, this new run. With, we're trying to bridge that gap between our uh, two generations. We have our, our seasoned generation and the non-seasoned generation. And we're trying to bring that together because we can learn from each other. And so we, we have that on uh, this Saturday, and, and I believe we actually eat breakfast at about 6, but we begin at about 7. And so I'm inviting all you men, be here at 7 o'clock or before that, and, and it's part of a spiritual discipline. It's like we set that in place so that as men we can gather together and talk about things that, that men deal with without the wives being there. Not as a bad thing, but... As men, we can talk about things that we, that we really need to talk about. And then we pray for one another. That's one of those spiritual disciplines that we put into our lives. 1 Timothy 4.7, it says, Have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now let me, let me explain what this scripture means. Because some are, some are thinking, what are you talking about only for old women? What is these fables? What the Bible is talking about is... 
don't have anything to do with ungodly, silly myths or falsehood. Have nothing to do with falsehood. Instead of following what is false in our lives or things that don't build us up spiritually, set spiritual disciplines for the purpose of godliness in the truth, in what God has been speaking to us. What is truth? Now here's some of my spiritual disciplines that I, I just want to, uh, just to give a, a, a practical uh, thing for all of us. Uh, some of the spiritual disciplines that, that I do in my life, and it may be different in yours. These are just examples. The one is I, I do meet together as church. And if I'm not speaking, I still attend church. If not here, somewhere else. Uh, and I'll, but I'll attend church because it's part of my spiritual discipline. I'll meet together with the church. And so that's one of my spiritual disciplines. I also will pray. I'll pray to the Lord. I'll read His Word. We call it doing devotions. In fact, in your bulletin, they should have a, a bookmarker in there that would help you kickstart the year. Now, if you have already missed yesterday, it's okay. Start today. Set that spiritual discipline. And then I actually will journal. I'll write some things down or I'll put it on my computer. Uh, I actually go to this website that I use and you might want to check it out if you're a techie kind of person. It's called youversion.com. Y-O-U V-E-R-S-I-O-N dot com. And then there's a community of people that, that they write what the Lord is teaching them. And I'll put my journal sometimes in there and we pray for each other. And this is worldwide. There's over 10 million people on this, uh, on this program. And you can do your devotions online. It has a Bible reading program that follows our bookmarker. Uh, if you need help with that, you can let me know and we can help you get that set up. But it's a spiritual discipline that we set. Also worship. I love worshiping our Lord in, what, in whatever capacity. If it's, uh, if it's serving, that's, that's a worship to God. Uh, singing is a part of worship to God. And so during our worship time, that's one of my spiritual disciplines that I want to be here during our worship times. Now, I remember thinking, well, I just need the Word of God. I just need the Word of God. Well, if you have a hard time worshiping here, you're going to have a very difficult time in heaven. If you have a difficult time worshiping Him here, it's going to be difficult when you get to heaven. It's like we're, we're babies here practicing how to worship God and worshiping Him. So by the time we get to heaven, we understand what we're doing. I don't want to be lost in heaven saying, Hey, what's this song? Come on, my words. What's the lyrics? I want to know God by heart. And that's what worship does. It engages our hearts with His and connects us together. Uh, memorizing Scripture. That's another thing that you can do as a spiritual discipline. I have on my phone a place that has scripture memory. And I could be standing in line at a store and then pop that out and then has the scripture memory on there. Or I meditate on God all day. I'll just think about Him. I'll talk with Him. It's just a spiritual discipline. And it builds our spirits. And one of the greatest things I think that helps me is that, and this is what you can write in number two, is that I speak to myself to improve. Speak to myself to improve. I figured, might as, well, might as well be accountable to the person you hang out with the most. Right? Might as well. Might as well talk to ourselves. Not in a, you know, uh, you know brain disorderly way. But in a way that's, that's, that's building us up. Making us better and better. So that we can improve. King Solomon, considered the wisest man to ever live. Did the very same thing. He was, he, he was one of the authors of the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes. And he mentions some things. He talks about, about wisdom and, and foolishness. And he's talking about uh, 
uh, strength and, and wisdom applied to a life. And then he comes to this conclusion. He's thinking, well, what's the use? I mean, there's wisdom, there's foolishness, but they both end up the same place, dead. That's what he says. In fact, this is how he says it in Ecclesiastes 2.15. Then I said to myself, as is the fate of the fool, it will also befall me. Why then have I been extremely wise? So I said to myself, this too is vanity. In other words, what he's saying is, you know what? It's like, why, why be wise? Why should I even have wisdom? Because I, if I'm wise and this person is not wise, we both die. It's like we end up the same place. He said it's, it's meaningless. But even though he said that, even though he may have vented to himself because he spoke to himself, he said, I said to myself, and he says it again, so I said to myself, this to his vanity. It's like he's, he's having a little meeting with himself. It's like he's saying, well, if I'm wise, that's great, but if I'm a fool, that's not good. But we both die. It's like we both end up the same place. That's meaningless. No, it's not really meaningless. So now he's having this conversation with himself. But he comes to this conclusion, and it's not in your notes, but I'll read it. And it's at, it, it's at the end of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13. And it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So he debates, he contemplates, he thinks things through, he talks to himself, and then he says this. Here, here's, here's my conclusion. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. See, if we're ever going to vent to ourselves, come to that conclusion. Come to the conclusion that, wait a minute, when all is said and done, it comes back to my fear of God. That I, I have this relationship with Him, this, this honorable relationship with God. This respectful relationship towards Him. And that's going to be a part of how I speak to myself. Sure, I'm going to battle with some things, but that's going to be the end result. You know, from time to time, uh, I'll, I'll do that when I uh, get into either a disagreement or a misunderstanding or have tension between my wife and I or just plain argue. When we just argue, we'll go back and forth and uh, one of us has to stop. And so I'll, I'll go on the side, and, and I'm sure she does this too, but I'll go on the side and I'll say, okay, stop already. Come on, enough already. Yeah, but she's, she's not listening. You're not listening either. And this is, I actually do this. I'll say to myself, but it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Let her watch that show. You can watch football later. It doesn't matter. Tape it, record it. You can watch it later. You're not even going to have time to watch it. I'll watch it later on tonight. Okay, when are you going to watch it? I'll watch it tonight at 11 o'clock. And then you can sleep late. You can be tired the next day. I don't care. Yes, you do care. Yes, okay, I do care. But, but why does she have to grumble all the time? You're doing the same thing. Look, you're grumbling by yourself. I say, okay, what do I need to do? Just invite the Lord in. Okay, Lord, I need you. I need you. And it's like the Lord smiles and he says, good boy. Good boy. My ka'i. And so I... I I'll do that and I'll say, Lord, I, I change my heart. Reverse whatever it is that's going on in me. Why am I so upset? It's just a TV show. It's ruining my whole day. And he says, no, repent, turn, change your mind. King David said it like this. He says, why am I so discouraged? Why so sad? And he could have stopped there. 
He could have stopped and said, oh man, this is a horrible life that I'm living. It's just a bad day going on. Oh, forget it. Might as well just throw in the towel. And he's talking to himself. Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? And then his other half, himself, says this. He goes, hey, wait a minute. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. See, King David was a man after God's own heart, the Bible says. That even though he went through these difficult times, and even though he may have sinned, his heart was anchored to the Lord's every move that the Lord made. His heart was anchored to the Lord's very own heart. He spoke often to himself. It was a lifestyle that David had. Solomon, that was his lifestyle. It was, wait a minute, if I'm going through this, I'm going to speak to myself. I'm going to talk to myself. It's, it's one of those things that we set in place as a foundational thing. That we can speak to ourselves often. See, whatever, whatever I connect my heart to, that will lead my life. And the Bible says it in that way. For where your heart is, wherever you treasure, there your heart will be also. Whatever is of most valuable to you, that's where your heart will follow. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go that direction. Why? Because it's anchored to that. So I'd say this, anchor my life to the Lord. And you can write in your last point, to anchor my life to the Lord. See, if I anchor my life to the Lord, then whatever direction He wants to take it, I'll follow. Because think about it, whatever direction I want my life to go, whatever direction I want it to go, then I must anchor my heart to that which I want to follow. Whatever it may be, I'm going to anchor it to it. If I want my life to be a successful career, then I'm going to anchor it to my career and I'll do whatever it takes to become a success. But if I want, if I want to be rich and I, and I anchor my, my life to money, then my money will dictate where my life will go. And I'll even sacrifice those that I love and the time with those that I love so that I can make it big. Not always. But if, I'm, if that's where my heart is, then my money will guide me and lead me every single place it wants to go. If I, if I want to be worldly, then I anchor my life to the world. But the problem with that is wherever the world goes, so will I. If the world does well, oh, life is great. But when the economy crashes, oh, life is terrible. Life is great when the person you voted for is in office and it's going your way. But when that doesn't happen, oh, life is horrible. Look at all these decisions. And it's like if we anchor our life to the world, the world will dictate what our life will be. If I anchor my life to an addiction, then that addiction will dictate where my life will be. It will pull me every single place it wants me to go. It will even rip apart my family, my relationships, even my own career and spiritual walk with the Lord. It will rip that apart because I'm anchoring it to something that is temporary and foolish. And the Lord says, wait a minute. Why anchor your heart to all these things that in the end results to nothing? He says, why don't, you, why don't you just anchor it to me? Because when you anchor it to me, then, then no matter what happens around you, I'm solid and sure that this foundation is what you'll be standing firm on. And these things, Jesus says in John 16, I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, if Jesus Christ has overcome the world, or the things that weigh us down, the things that pull us away from Him, if He's overcome the world, and we anchor our life to His, then we become overcomers also, because where He goes, so do we. When we were young, my cousin had a motorcycle. And we found this one little toy. Uh, it was like a toy car, the, the plastic ones. You know, now they have the motorized ones. But before, when, you know, when we were kids, you'd have to push it with your feet with the metal, you know, that metal paddle, the, the paddle on the bottom, the pedals. And you'd have to push that back and forth. And however fast you went, that's as how fast the car would go or your little vehicle. Well, we found this one and we're trying to work it, but it was broken. So we took out all the metal things and people would push us. And then, as kids are, we thought, how can we go faster? So we found a rope, attached it to my cousin's motorcycle, and attached it to the steering wheel. Oh, yeah, it's getting interesting. And then I, I would sit in this little car and I would say, Go slow, okay? And then he would go just slowly, and then we would ride around and ride, wave to all my friends. Look at this, my car! And then we'd go around, and then he would go faster and faster, and I'd say, yeah, go faster, faster. Well, I didn't know he was going to go this fast, but he's, he's just flying it down the road. Well, he takes this sharp turn onto the grass. And now before the grass, there's this little curb. You know where the water drains kind of thing? And there's this curb. Well, because it's plastic wheels and he turns sharply, I keep sliding. I slide so far, I see him. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? And I hit the curb. I hit it. I actually flip over. And I land. I land. And we're all screaming, yeah, because I'm alive. Yeah. And wherever he went, so did I. Now I thought, what if mid-flight, upside down as I'm turning I said to myself this is dangerous already I can't take this anymore and I cut the rope what would have happened I wouldn't be here probably oh I would have gotten seriously injured our life when anchored to Christ is the ride of life it's not the smoothest ride in the world it's not the it's not easy all the times. The road is narrow. But when we're connected to him, even when we flip upside down, no matter where he no matter where it seems like our life is going, wherever he goes, so do we, and he'll take very good care of us. But I must anchor my life to the Lord. I can't cut midway. I can't say, "Lord, this is too hard. I I sever my relationship with you." If I do that, then this is what happens. He says, anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are guaranteed, or excuse me, are gathered into a pile to be burned. Sounds pretty drastic, and it is, because he's trying to make a point here. Christ is saying, listen, when you, when you cut your life off of mine, it's worse. It may seem like things are going well. It may seem like it's smooth sailing. But that's only because you haven't hit the ground yet. And it looks easy. It looks great. And he says, don't do it. Apart from me, oh boy, it's like you've been severed off and it's been cut. 
See, when my life is not anchored to the Lord, no matter what I do in my life, no matter how much I try to make excuses or justify my decisions, my life becomes dry, unfruitful, and eventually burns out when I'm apart from the Lord. But when we abide in Him, then we have that peace that He talks about. The peace that helps us to overcome this difficult world that we live in. But only for those who choose a new life resolution. In other words, I must become born again. Could you say amen to that? Yeah, you can close your Bibles and put away your notes. This morning I thought we'd end with a song for all of us. And it's a kind of uh, hard-hitting song. But you'll catch it. Because what this song represents is this new life resolution. That no matter what we've gone through, that we'll be people who can say to the Lord, thank you for, thank you for bringing me to a new place, a new season, a place where I can have this new life resolution. Would you bow your heads with me and we'll pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for being the kind of God that gives us a brand new life. That you've given us an opportunity to have this born again kind of life. And Lord, it's not just a, a decision that we make or, or a commitment that we just say or a resolution for this year. But it's a new life resolution with you that we're going to anchor our lives to you for you're the one that has that firm foundation. There's no other foundation that can be laid than the one that has already been laid. And that's in you, Christ Jesus. So I pray for all of us this morning that we would be people who say, Lord, here's some spiritual disciplines that you want to set in us in whatever way. Whether it's getting into your word more often. Whether it's being a part of the body of Christ. Meeting together. Serving whether it's to be a part of a, like a men's ministry or a women's ministry or, or a care group. Lord, we, we want to be people who have a new life with you and we're born again. And so Lord, I pray for every single person here this morning because of who you are that we can be people who just anchor our lives to you. We trust in you as we head out today, Lord, in this new season. And we're going to set some new foundations this year. And it's going to start with you. And we love you, Lord. We thank you for being that rock that we can anchor our lives to. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen.